Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. In our never-ending I Work For Him desire to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to apply and challenge the way you think about your faith and work, today we're talking about the ability to influence and the book From Prison to Purpose. We've got author and speaker Steve Hopper in studio today. He's going to share his story. Wait for this. Oh my word. You know, I don't, it's not very often I get business people in this kind of a story. We're so grateful to have it. The miraculous work of Christ in his life is incredible. Stay tuned. But first, but first, a verse of scripture. And this one, I believe, Steve, I got this right off your website. It said on the on your website, if I had to choose just one scripture to describe my purpose, it would be Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord, God, is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison, uh, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Welcome to the I Work For Him show, Steve Hopper. Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. I'm grateful to have you here. You know, you, you spoke today at the Christian Chamber of Commerce, Tampa Bay, and you had that room mesmerized with your story. And it's so it's so incredible to hear that, you know, we all have stories. We all have stories on how Christ has worked in our lives. And, and, and every one of them, not one is better than the other, but sometimes some are more mesmerizing than others. And, and because of the radical change that God has brought about in our lives. So I want to get into your story, but, you know, 
how did God get you from here to there? That's that was my first question. But I always start the the show with this question: How's Christ working in your life today? So let's start with how Christ is working in your life today, and then we're going to back up the timeline to high school. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. It's uh, you know, I'm I'm in awe every single day at at the doors that uh, God is opening, and I'm just trying to be obedient and walk through them as as they open. Um, you know, there's not a day that goes by that I don't I don't wake up and say, God, you know, just just send me where you want me to be today. Put me in front of the people that you want me to be in front of, and um, it, you know. I'm waking up every day and going out there with a mission that I that I truly truly believe in 100%. You know, it's like I talked about today, you know, I feel like we've all been called as Christians uh to go out there and and spread the word, you know, to bring people to come to know Jesus Christ and uh that's that's what I'm out there trying to do every single day. And uh so how I got from there to here uh Well, when I get there, you don't get there yet. We're no, going to get to that story. I, yeah, no, I'm just saying it's been it's been a long road. There's been a lot of ups and downs and God's had to smack me around numerous times along the way to get me uh uh to this place, but when it finally all comes full circle and you realize uh, when he finally does reveal to you what it is that that you're supposed to be doing with your gifts and talents and treasures, uh, it just adds a whole new meaning to life. It's fun to see a little bit of that light at the end of the tunnel and how you can be used. I mean, yeah. it, that, it, that, that is a cool thing. All right, so let's, let's back the story up. But first, I, you got, are your kids listening today? Is your wife listening today on the air? Uh, I don't know. She or, might or be. Or are you just so famous all the time, they're, they're bored <laughs> with you being on radio and TV and stuff like that? I don't know. She knows I'm on the radio. I don't know well, if she's listening. Go ahead and say hi to you, her and the kids. Hey, you can listen honey, to I love you. Uh, tell the kids I said hello if you're around them. I don't know. They're probably with Grammy right now. It's spring break. You know, spring we're in Pasco, so oh. spring break this week. So Yeah. I can't wait till spring break next week here or is it the week after because yeah, of the traffic then all the parents are stuck at home with their kids and nobody will be driving on yeah. Homerton it's just oh, yeah. it's the greatest thing ever <laughs> alright so you've got this website abilitytoinfluence.com it's, it's .com right mm-hmm. okay I want to make sure I say ability abilitytoinfluence.com and it's really all your story and in there your story is highlighted in a book that just got published from prison to purpose yep. but I think what we need to start with let's just start with from life to prison, how did you get there? Well, I uh, you know I came from a typical middle class family. Grew up in Carrollwood. Uh, went to Gaither High School. Uh, Mom and dad both worked uh, hard to make the ends meet. Uh, we weren't uh, rich or wealthy by any means, but uh, you know we weren't poor either. They always did their best to provide for me and my sister, and and always tried to feed those passions that that we had growing up. And uh, you know there was nothing. Uh, uh, crazy that happened in my childhood really to speak of um, I uh, one of the passions that I had growing up was was football I started playing football at the age of four years old and I tried you know every sport I played baseball I wrestled you know I did a little bit of everything and uh, football was the one that just stuck you know I just loved running around the field and smacking crash, people yeah, yeah crashing into people and just using my body as a as a torpedo you know a wrecking ball or whatever but uh, uh, you know I got some 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 skill you know to go with the with the natural talent that I had over the years and and when I got to the high school level you know the colleges were looking and and uh you know the opportunities were there it was just uh, uh everything that I had dreamed of my whole life was about uh to become reality um I wanted to be a gator 
Uh, was a big Gator fan, which broke my dad's my dad's heart because my dad was a diehard Georgia Bulldog fan. So he was, <laughs> you know, he was upset when I told him I wanted to be a Gator. You know, not everybody can be a Gator, and half the people listening are going, "Go Knowles, go Knowles." You know, I grew up in Minnesota, where college sports meant nothing. Right. Except in hockey, because everybody else was pathetic. They were in the Big Ten, and they were always at the bottom of the Big Ten. Right, so, right. Okay. But, you know, it looked like, uh, you know, but, but needless, regardless, my parents were just ecstatic, you know, overjoyed. And uh, it was uh, looking like everything that I had dreamed of and worked for as a kid growing up was, was going to happen. It was all going to come to fruition. Uh, but one night, uh, as a senior in high school, uh, I would make a decision that would change the course of my life forever. I went to a keg party one Friday night with some guys from the team. And, uh, you know, typical Friday night, you know, a bunch of teenagers out there doing what we really had no business doing, drinking and partying and all that good stuff. And uh, at this party, one of my buddies got into an argument with another guy. Big fight broke out. Of course, I engaged in the fight. Um that night did not think uh, anything of it. You know, we had been in those situations before. Uh, we uh, obviously teenage football players, you know, we thought we were all bulletproof to a certain extent, you know. And um, but this night was a little bit different, a lot different. Um, that Monday, the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department showed up at my parents' house with a warrant for my arrest. One of the teens that I had hit during that fight on Friday night had slipped into a coma. At that moment, everything changed. Everything stopped. It was like the world stopped moving. Um, I remember my dad going and and, and turning me into the county jail, and I'll, I'll never forget that day, and I didn't talk about this today at the chamber, but... You know, me and my dad had, you know, I was a teenager and I was doing my own thing. I had my own agenda. And me and my dad had not really been seeing eye to eye for a few years at that point, you know. And um, th- there was there was a moment there right before he turned me in. Uh, and, it, and it really just, it, as I think back to that moment today, and I talk about this a little bit in the book, you know, it was a moment that I could really see God in that moment because even though I had not been doing the things that I was supposed to be doing I'd made some poor choices my dad loved me unconditionally man like he was right there saying don't worry son we're going to make it through this everything's going to be all right." but I turned myself in sat in the county jail for three months Jim waiting to find out if he was going to live or die my victim and uh after three months, I heard the best news I'd ever heard. He had he had lived. He had pulled through. He was going to live, and uh, but unfortunately, the price for that decision that I made that night had had not yet been paid. Uh, to make a long story short for you, uh, they sentenced me to ten years in Florida State Prison. I was seventeen years old, and uh, man, what a blow! What a blow! Um, I'll never forget uh, the day I got sentenced uh, in that courtroom and just uh, the courtroom was flooded. I mean, there was uh, well over 150 people in that courtroom that day, friends, coaches, family, you know, people from the community that were there, you know, just showing their support and almost kind of pleading in a sense, you know, don't send them away. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget uh, the looks on their faces and the tears as I, as I walked out of that courtroom that day as, as they all, you know, sat back and watched me take that fall. But, um, 
man, just uh, talking about it today even just brings back, you know, that emotion uh, of that day. But it was the best thing that ever happened to you. Man, you know, somebody, <laughs> it's funny, we were at the chamber today, and uh, Lori asked that question, you know, what, uh, she asked it to everybody, you know, what is your if, if there was that one moment that you could go back in your life and change or take back or make a different decision or whatever, what would it be? So as we broke out into the little table discussions, you know, they all looked at, uh, you know, Lori looked at me and she's like, I bet that night would be it. Right. And I'm like, you know, I, I really can't answer that because that's just, uh, <laughs> I don't know. As I look at my life now and because, because of that moment, because of that night, and to look at what God is doing with that situation right now. You know, we, 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 we've all made choices in our life that were not the right choices. We've all been in situations before um, uh, that are hurtful, you know, and uh, for, to see how God takes those situations. Like we don't, we 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 just can't imagine at the time that we're going through this stuff what God's going to do with it. But when He does it, and you see it, and it's just obvious to you right in your face how God is just kind of flexing His muscles and saying, "Look at what I'm going to do with that situation." Mm-hmm. You know, man, <laughs> it's incredible because you, you know, in in me looking at your story, it's very easy for me to say, of course, but you know, best thing ever happened to you was going to prison. But I know what your life would have been like had you not. Had you not ever suffered any consequences for what happened there, you'd have gone on and done that same thing over and over again. Probably. And you may never have found Christ. Maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, I'll I'll never forget, um, after getting sentenced, you know, they they came in that that one night, uh, it was about three o'clock in the morning, and told me to pack my stuff. And, you know, it was time. And uh, I was scared to death, Jim. You know, nothing my parents or coaches or teachers or anybody in my life had ever taught me, uh, had prepared me for that moment, uh, for what I was about to experience. Um, you know, all I knew of prison was what I had seen on TV, you know, and uh, TV never made it look very appealing at all, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I packed up everything I had uh, three o'clock in the morning in that little pillowcase and they shackled me from head to toe and carried me out in this long hallway. And and in that hallway was a line of inmates uh, going all the way down the hallway, each of them holding their little pillowcases shackled from head to toe. And uh, they shuffled us down into this uh, garage at the bottom of the at the bottom of the jail and uh, loaded us up onto this big gray bus with steel mesh over the windows. And uh, you could have heard, heard a pin drop on this bus as we drove off into the into the darkness. Uh, you know, I couldn't help but thinking on that bus during that ride why those guys were so quiet. I didn't know if it was because, like me, they were scared of what waited on the other end of that bus ride or whether or not, uh, uh, you know, it was the the lost dreams, the hopes, the the goals, the, the you know, just the failures, you know, the bad decisions, the bad choices uh, that they were thinking about that had everybody so quiet. But it was, man, it was, it was quiet for three and a half hours as we drove uh, up the state of Florida, into North Florida, deep into the woods of North Florida. Man, what a ride. Mm. Never forget that bus ride. You know, when we come back from the break, I, I want to get into, you, you get into jail, you, you've you still got that fighting attitude. 
and your first year was a lot of the same of what you had in that year prior to going into jail. Just a lot of living in the world. But then God intersected your life. And I really am looking forward to people hearing how God intersected your life in that jail cell, because that was the turning point in your life. That was the paradigm shift all those years ago. That's right. That's right. We've got author and speaker Steve Hopper in studio today talking about his upcoming book. Well, it's been just released, From Prison to Purpose, A Journey to Answering Life's Greatest Question, The Purpose of Life. All right, Steve, right before the break, you're, you're, you're on the gray bus, the big gray bus going to state prison up in the panhandle somewhere. You get there. That's right. We're not going to do that yet. We got to talk about the book. All right. Hey, it's time. (laughs) That's what you call a tease. If I was a really great radio guy, I'd have done that on purpose. Hey, it's time for a book highlight segment brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. From Prison to Purpose by Steve Hopper. Steve, what's this book all about? Man, it's the story. It's It's what you're telling us now with more detail. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the yeah, there's there's definitely a, a lot more to that book than just my story. You know, the the big the big shift uh, for me came when I realized that it wasn't about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's uh, there's a lot of cool stories in there. There's a lot of people that I've uh, met along the way that have had some amazing things happen to them and and how God uh, worked in their life and, and how they're today. Uh, sharing in the common purpose that we all have as Christians. So to answer that question, what's my life's purpose? Hey, from prison to purpose, a journey to answering life's greatest question by Steve Hopper, our guest today, calling to the studio line now. Operators are standing by. Oh, Andrea is sitting by while she's waiting for the phone to ring. 855-265-2929-855-265. And for now, you need to read this book, Don't Wait for the Movie. Yeah, it's an old Whiteheart song. That's it's a great one. All right, so no movie deals offered yet on this deal? Actually, you know, it's funny that you say that. I had a guy approach me uh, about a month ago and uh, is interested in getting the screenplay rights to the book. So Nice. That's, yeah, so there you go. We'll see, then, then we bring you back on, and I won't be able to say my, <laughs> my line. But for now, people can call in to get a copy of the book. Right. Get a copy now. I'll get these autographed. There'll be autographed copies, or as Lori Hill always says, authographed. I don't understand what that means, but anyway. (laughs) All right, so you're on the big gray bus. Oh, the phone number, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. Andrea is standing by right now. Okay, you're on the big gray bus. You get the federal, you get the state prison. What happens during that first year? Well, you know, as we pull up, you know, to to the prison, the sun is just starting to peak over the trees. I mean, we're it. This thing is tucked way back in the woods up in North Florida, and uh, as we pull in, we see these two twenty foot fences, razor wire from top to bottom. I mean, the razor wire was so thick you still could not see what was on the other side of the fence. So even though we had arrived, you know what was what was on the other side was still a mystery to us. But as we unloaded the bus and started to walk into the to the front of the prison. Uh, there were some guys there standing at the fence, yelling out some stuff to us. You know, just welcome. Pleasant to welcome. Yeah, yeah, welcome to your new house. You know, wait till you get on the inside. You know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I started to uh, prepare myself mentally. Um, you know, I came prepared, man. I was going to defend myself to the utmost. And, 
you know, the ironic thing about that, Jim, was that, you know, I had made a decision one night to go out and get in a fight. And now I was in a place where I was going to fight and I really didn't have a choice. Right. You fight know? for your life each and every day. That's it, man. So Absolutely. was it was it dangerous every day in the prison? Um, you know, every day you were looking over your shoulder, man. I mean, there were some days that uh, not too much happened. And then, you know, there were other days where riots would break out just in the, in the spur of a moment. And guys were running around with uh, sharpened down lawnmower blades, sword fighting in the middle of the wreck field, you know. So it was, yeah, I mean, it, you never knew what was going to happen. It was a unbelievable environment and uh, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't, wish, wouldn't wish it on anybody, yeah. I asked you a question while we weren't on the air. What do you do each and every day? People can find out more about you on your website, AbilityToInfluence.com, AbilityToInfluence.com. But during the day, the way you make a living is sharing this story, but speaking at business conferences, speaking at training events, but people bringing you in to speak and to share all about, well, tell them what you share. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I firmly believe, Jim, that, uh, you know, I've spent the past 20 years of my life trying to figure out what the difference is between people that succeed in business and life and those people that only survive uh, business and life. And what I've found is that your ability to succeed in business and in life greatly depends on your ability to influence other people. Um, And as we get more into my story, you'll realize that uh, uh, there was a point in my life where I had to start studying people and understand people in order to survive. And uh, in doing so, I learned a lot about people, and it carried over to my professional career. Uh, was uh, just had amazing opportunities as a corporate sales trainer for many years after after coming home, and uh, and from there progressed into owning my own business, my own coaching business called Ability to Influence. So Ability you know, to Influence yeah, so, so we're yeah, so we're going into companies and organizations and just uh, empowering and inspiring uh, employees, salespeople, companies, organizations organizations to understand uh, that uh, and improve their ability to influence in the marketplace because that's what it all boils down to mm. yeah. right, let's go back to that dark night in your prison cell okay all those years back what happened well um, uh, you know the first year had been hell. I'd fought for my life on numerous occasions. I'd watched people killed right in front of me. And uh, uh, it was about a, about a year into my sentence. I had uh, uh, just celebrated my 18th birthday, if you can celebrate in there. But uh, I had just celebrated my 18th birthday. And uh, every day was just about like the rest. I didn't even want to look at the calendar because, you know, I had so much time on my hands with a 10-year sentence that the last thing I wanted to do was look at a calendar. But this different this day was going to be different than all the rest. It was 9 p.m. It was lights out time and that steel door slammed shut on that prison cell and uh, I was sitting in the pitch darkness. It was so dark, you know, I couldn't even see a foot in front of my face. And uh, this particular night, the weight of the world just came crashing in on me. Uh, I remember crouching down in the corner of the cell and pulling my knees tight to my chest and uh, just feeling the emotions of regret, hopelessness, helplessness, uh, fear, uh, just not feeling like there was any light at the end of the tunnel, uh, even to the point where, you know, I even even thought about taking my own life that night just because, you know, to an 18-year-old kid, uh, a 10-year, 10-year sentence just seemed like an absolute lifetime. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, there was, there was, it seemed like a life sentence to me that night in that cell. And, uh, you know, just thinking about all the dreams, uh, uh, the goals that I had and how those were no more. I thought about my mom and the pain I'd put her through, you know, cause, uh, her dreams had died on that beach that night too, when I took that swing and, and, uh, just, you know, all those emotions flooding in. And, uh, as I sat there, just crying my eyes out, thinking that I did not want to go on. I remembered something that my granddaddy said to me when I was a little kid. And uh, I used to spend uh, all my summers in a little town called Crawfordville, just south of Tallahassee, Florida. My grandparents owned a couple hundred acres up there. Me and my granddad would fish and hunt and just spend quality time together. And uh, he was a Christian, and he was always preaching to me uh, during the summers that I was up there. And, uh, of course, you know, I was a kid. I had my own agenda. I wasn't trying to hear any of that. I was going in one ear and out the other, and uh, or so I thought. Uh, but one summer, uh, he said something to me. And he said, son, he said, you know, I think he could tell that I wasn't really just that I was kind of blowing him off as he was talking. So he said, just, just promise me one thing in your life. And I said, okay, granddaddy, what is it? He said, when you're at your darkest moment in life and your back's against the wall and you don't feel like you have any way out, drop to your knees immediately and cry out for Jesus. Man. I hadn't thought about that again until that night. I was there. I was in my darkest moment. My back was against the wall. I didn't feel like I had any way out. So I took my granddaddy's advice and I spun around on my knees and I laid my face on that cold, hard, dirty, concrete prison floor and I cried like I've never cried before in my life. And I cried out for Jesus and asked him uh to take my life. I told him I was scared and that uh, I couldn't do it on my own and I needed him. And uh, man, in that instant, instantly, everything changed. The fear went away, the regret, the remorse, the hopelessness, the helplessness. uh, And that communication started immediately. And uh, like I said today, you know, there was no burning bush that uh, showed up there in the cell that night to talk to me. There was uh, no angels that descended down from heaven and sat on the bunk. Uh, but that communication started within. And, um, and God told me that night, he said, listen, you're going to be here for a while. But when you're done, you're going to go do great things. And um, he also revealed to me that night that uh, there had been a battle going on for my life. And this was something that I had no understanding of until that night in that cell, that there had been a battle going on for my life, my heart, my soul, my eternity. There was good and evil. There were two forces that were pursuing me. And uh, I didn't realize it until that night in that cell. And uh, from that moment, Everything changed, man. I slept like a baby that night. I woke up the next day with a new lease on life. Uh, But I knew that uh, I knew that I had to do my part, man. I mean, you know, God revealed to me that, listen, you're going to be here for a while, right? Um, So I knew that I needed to do my part in order to survive the time that I was there and to grow and to get better and to get closer to him and to develop that relationship. Because at that point, I wanted to hear that voice. I wanted that communication on a regular basis because, 
man, when you have that type of experience, you just want it. You know, you want it more and more and more to have that communication. Well, and I want to jump ahead because we're yeah. running out of time, but I want, you, you know, so you ended up spending how many years in prison? I did seven years on a 10-year sentence, yeah. So you got out. Um, how did you end up being the guy today that's speaking all the time on the ability to influence and really talking about you're from prison to purpose you you've been given the opportunity a platform each and every day in business to share this story how did that happen uh, well, I went through a uh, very strategic self-development uh, course while I was in prison. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I was in a place where I needed to survive. So I started studying people. Uh, when I got home, that just kind of carried over. Uh, I was blessed to have some, some doors open in, uh, in the corporate world. Um, and I became a, a national sales trainer for a large car corporation. I was traveling around the country training salespeople and just teaching them um, about people and what I'd learned, you know, from the time that I was, you know, away and et cetera, et cetera. And um, it just really progressed from there. Um, uh, you know, I launched uh, uh, the company because I wanted to take uh, what I've learned over the years through my professional and personal experiences and, uh, and, and teach people, mentor people, and uh, show them how they can just master this, this ability that God's given to us to influence other people. I mean, he's actually given us a responsibility, a calling to go out there. He's told us to go out there and influence people. And uh, all too often, uh, uh, we tap into that ability to be influenced instead of the ability to influence others. And I just think that it's something that we should be doing in our professional uh, and our personal lives. So uh, I'm on a mission to go out there and just, you know, I mean, all the benefits that come from it. You become better salespeople, better business people. Your relationships are stronger uh, just by going out there and and uh, mastering that ability. So, so even when you're out there speaking and teaching people about how to study people, how to learn from people, you're given the opportunity to tell this story. I mean, Absolutely. You, you've been, I mean, how many times have you told that story? A lot, man. I mean, I haven't, I haven't kept count. But. <laughs> so, yeah. too many to count. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it was really cool. We were able to give away both those copies of the book in the nice. last half hour. Larry from St. Pete and April from Sarasota, thanks for calling in today. Thanks for listening. Thank you, guys. Got, got your autographed Enjoy. versions. Martha will get those out in the mail to you in the next couple of days. So, you, you, you get out of prison. You'd already gone to some school. Did you do some schooling before you ended up getting married and having four kids? I mean, how, how did you get... How's God been integrating your faith into your workplace over these last 20-some years? Man, it was a school of hard knocks, bro. That's the school I went to. You know, there was ups and downs. There was failures along the way. And, um, you know, and, and you know, in the book, I describe uh, how, you know, there was time. there were times in my life when the success came and I started to get that feeling like I was in control of my life again. Mm. And, uh, you know, you, you got to think, wow, is this guy crazy? Is he a glutton for punishment? Um, you know, does he? Most you know, of us are. Yeah. After after what he's been through and for God to reach in and pull him out um, from that situation, for him to go and start having success and believe that he's in control of his own destiny again. Um, there's there's been numerous times God had to, to pull me back in. So it's been a it's been a constant learning experience, brother. And uh, uh, it, it's one of those things that I just try to pass uh, those experiences on to others. You know, I mean, it's all 
about the relationships. I mean, it's all about the relationships that we're building out there. Yeah, nobody there buys from somebody this. if they don't have a relationship. Sure. I mean, it's all, I mean I've been in sales all my life. It's, it's all about that relationship. That's right. Speaking of relationships, then I want to know, did you ever get a chance? Did, was your grandfather still alive when you got out of prison? Yes. Matter of fact, he's still alive today. And he received the very first copy of the book ever printed. And uh, he's actually getting up there in age. So he actually had my mother go through and highlight all the places where I mentioned him <laughs> in the book. So uh, he's, she said he's read it eight times. Uh, he's just uh, he's ecstatic. So it, it brought a lot of joy to my heart uh, for him to know, you know, just what a powerful impact he had. Uh, just by saying that to me, you know, and, and for everybody that's listening today, you know, you may just think that when you're out there talking to people and sharing your testimony and encouraging them and trying to inspire them that it's going in one ear out the other, but you can say something to somebody that may not bloom for years to come and God uses it in just the right moment like he did with what my granddad said to me. So it's powerful, powerful. And I, and I was hoping that's what the story would be like because so many of us pour into people's lives and we think, in one ear, out the other. I'm a lot. Well, you haven't had your teenagers yet. All of us who have had teenagers, we've all been teenagers. We know that that's what happens during those years. Sure. So it's good to be encouraged that hey, the investment we make in people, you never know. You may never hear about the payback. Right. But that there's that the, those words won't go lost. Yeah. You mentioned three things, uh, three key principles on the ability to influence in the in the in the speech today to the Christian Chamber of Commerce Tampa Bay at Feather Sound Country Club, the third Wednesday of every month. Found online at c3tb.org. I just got to make sure oh, I give yeah, a good, good plug. All right, but you said three awesome things, group. three principles. It was a lot of fun. It was packed out today. I mean, it was packed out. Three things: integrity attitude and appearance let's start with integrity and we'll come back after our break on the other two yeah um integrity yeah it's uh you know first and foremost uh, you know everybody that's uh listening today that's in business or even if you're not in business this applies to you no matter who you are uh the product is you it's always been you it's always going to be you you're the product they're buying into and you're the product they're they're not buying into so uh if you want to have that ability to influence in the workplace or just even with your children then you've got to be the product that they're going to buy into and uh there's three foundational principles that make that up the first one is obviously integrity and uh, it's something that uh, we have a crisis of uh, right now, you know. And uh, today we asked them, uh, raise your hand if you think you're somebody that lacks integrity. And, of course, <laughs> and only one guy was brave enough to raise his hand, my, <laughs> my, my buddy Rich Bishop. And I'm like, the rest of us should all be raising our hand. But right. Well, I think Rich knew where I was going with it. But, uh, but nobody ever raises their hand, you know. And when, when it comes to the big issues, uh, yes, we all have integrity, but it's the little things. It's those little cracks. Uh, in our integrity that that really can mess us up big time. And it really makes a difference. It really makes a difference. If you maintain your integrity in business, I'm telling you what, it makes a huge difference. It gives you all kinds of opportunities to share why your integrity is invincible. All right, Steve, we're running out of time, but I want people to hear more from you about these three principles that you came out of prison recognizing that these are key principles for Christ followers in the workplace on how to make a difference. Yep. And you start off with integrity, yep. and we just talked about that, but you have two others. 
Yes. Uh, and, you know, and, and real quick on the integrity, you know, you talk about those little small cracks. You know, it's something as simple as just not doing what you say you're going to do, not being where you say you're going to be. Those are all little issues with integrity that can cause people not to want to buy into whatever it is that you're selling or promoting or, 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 or whatever your vision is. Uh, the second one is your attitude. Uh, you know, are you a, are you a glass is half full or a glass is half empty kind of person? You know, what does your attitude say to your employees uh, about the vision of your company? Uh, what is your general attitude about life uh, and your belief system and your morals? What does it say to the people that are looking to you for guidance? Uh, if you're an employee and you want to move up in the company, what does your attitude say to upper management? Are you taking ownership of the company even though you're not owner? Uh, so attitude plays a, a major, major role and people are always paying attention to that. And the last one is appearance. Uh, this is something that uh, people are very touchy about, you know, and this is not necessarily just weight or, or, or Well, health, not all of us have hair you know? like you, though. <laughs> you still got good hair, and I'm guessing you're just barely over 40, but you got great hair. Not all of us have that great hair to accent a great outfit. So, You know, your appearance is really, uh, it, it really boils down to how you carry yourself. I mean, what are you putting on Facebook? What are you putting on your social media? I mean, does, does, your, does your belief in your morals match up with what you're showing to people and what people are seeing from you uh, appearance-wise because they're watching you. You know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They're watching you. Um, You know, but the reality of it is this, Jim, is that uh, uh, one of the things that I focus on is that it really boils down to the core. The true foundation of us mastering that ability to influence is it, it starts way down in the core. And the core is that place that I found that night on that prison cell floor. And that's the place where God communicates with you. And when that communication happens and it starts to take place, all of these other things immediately start to fall in line. Your integrity, your attitude, your appearance, it all starts to fall in line because you've got Christ at the center of your life. And he's leading your every step. Your attitude changes when you realize that the battle's already been won. And that no matter what we're facing, God's going to use it, you know, uh, in a positive way uh, to strengthen us, whatever the case may be, to reveal to us our purpose. You know, we've all been prepared for something. And as we look at the good, bad, and ugly, everything from our past, I believe that God will use everything every single one of those situations Mm -hmm. to get us ready to go do what he needs us and wants us and has called us all to go and do. He never wastes an experience. There's no question. No, no ne- never waste an experience. How often have you had the opportunity to give this, to tell your story in front of people that have gone through similar situations? You've been to prison uh, for making a, a mistake in high school. How many times have you been able to share that story and give them hope? Uh, a lot. You know, I hooked up with Fellowship of Christian Athletes last Ooh. year and started going into the high schools and uh, speaking to some of the kids. Uh, spoke at Sun Lake High School last year. We uh, shared my testimony. I had uh, 250 kids that stood up at the end and accepted Christ. Very, very powerful moment. From that moment, I was hooked. I was like, okay, God, this is what you're going to do. I'm in. I'm in. I love it, you know? And they actually uh, let you share your testimony. Absolutely. At a public high school. Yeah. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. So, you know, we had a, you know, just... Uh, 
anywhere, you know, and I, I didn't do I didn't do it today um, at the Tampa Bay Christian Chamber because I knew that Lori was going to do it at the end of the meeting. But uh, but I usually do, man, give that opportunity. You know, I do give that altar call and give people the opportunity because you just can't assume that people are there, that they've made that decision or that they have, no. that, you know, so uh, it's it's been absolutely humbling and rewarding, man, just to see how God is is using my story uh, to impact and, and help other people. Yeah, and and that is it is awesome that God can use any of our stories That's for right. His glory and That's His honor. Right. And I appreciate you sharing it on our That's show. Right. Hey, we've come to the end of another I Work for Him show. Listen, I'm looking for a thousand people to make this commitment. I'm looking for a thousand people to join the I Work for Him nation. A thousand people to start praying for their coworkers and employees and reaching out to those coworkers and employees outside of the office, developing relationships with them so you have the ability to influence. That's what it's all about. Start looking for ways to serve the people that you work with, to pray with the people that you work with, and to be the best and brightest example of a person in your position, in your workplace, so that because God doesn't want junk being done in his name. He wants you to be the best and the brightest in your workplace. Let me know that you're willing to be one of those. Find me on Facebook, I Work For Him. Go on to our website, iWorkForHim.com. Contact us on the website or subscribe, but send me an email, Jim at iWorkForHim.com. Let me know that you want to make that commitment. Uh, we had we had, we had some few people last night. I'll say their names tomorrow morning uh, on, or tomorrow afternoon on the show, but we got lots of people willing to make that commitment to be part of the I Work For Him Nation. You're listening to the I Work For Him Show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.